Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, we are back with Calcio Cappuccino this week. Uh, Christine Cupo here again, always with Dre Cordero, Aaron West. We've got Marco and we've got Poppy today. We will be running through, obviously, some of the high-level Juve unfurling details and pop in on some uh, Serie A show-outs at this World Cup. Um, but it's, it's very nice to be back this week. How you doing, Dre? I'm great. Actually, I love that we brought back the tradition of spending like 80% of our like pre-production meeting um, talking about completely unrelated things. So t- uh, today, uh, our failing Paramount Plus soccer team, uh, our horrendous penalty kick takers, worse than Spain. Uh, <laughs> There's a bit of parenting sprinkled in. And and the biggest question of all is why we're even doing this in the middle of a World Cup, which it turns out uh, we're all really afraid that uh, Chad GPT is going to take our jobs. So we're just trying to stick relevant. We've got to get this in a foothold, man. People got to yeah. expect us to show up for them, you know? Um, with that being said, uh, do we want to dive right in uh, high level what's been going on for anybody that has not been, I don't know, as insane as some of the rest of us on these UVA details? Um, Real quick and dirty on this, Um, obviously, Juve has been under investigation simultaneously. Prisma for a couple years, which had dealt with player salaries and and other things like that, including um, now what's arrived at market manipulation because Juve is publicly traded in Milan, um, as well as just sort of going back to some of their financial statements. And on top of that, uh, some of their player evaluations for uh, using the unofficial transfer market <laughs> to uh, evaluate <laughs> some of their player swaps, um, salary maneuvers, and then some players foregoing salaries during uh, COVID, which is circling around the wagons at this point. Um, the thing setting all of this off was the uh, entire board resigning uh, en masse, which you never really see. That's kind of a harbinger of doom. We've got a new appointee with Maurizio Scanavino as GM with Arriva Bene staying on as sort of this transition shepherd. Uh, Fast forward to present day, uh, still awaiting news on the preliminary hearing as to whether or not um, any of the 12 that had been um, investigated recently will stand trial, including Agnelli. Um, And... uh, UEFA now uh, also doing their own separate investigation, which people are a little bit rattled about comparing it to potential Calciopoli. Um, That kind of brings us up to speed, high level. I don't want to go super deep and boring because where's the fun in that? But um, we uh, are now at a point where it's 
will we see the resurgence of Del Piero in the front in the front office now? Uh, essentially replacing sort of the Pavel Nedved situation. Uh, Marco, what do you think about uh, Del Piero actually popping in for present day Juve? I mean, I think anytime you see Del Piero linked to Juventus, it just brings an immediate smile to your face. But Del Piero's always been, uh, he's been very smart. He knows when to pick his moments. I kind of relate it to Maldini, what he did with Milan, because for a while, you know, everyone was like, all right, Maldini's got to come back to Milan because he's such a legend for the club. But Maldini was also, he's very intelligent. He didn't want to put himself in a situation that makes him look bad or puts him in a situation to let him fail. You know, he doesn't want to just be this person that, all right, we have Del Piero, we're set. He's just a figure. He's a yes man. You know, Del Piero's someone who, if he comes in, he wants to come in for a serious project. And I think there's a lot of other layers to this Juventus where, we still don't, you know, if we speak truthfully, we have no idea what's going to happen. Everyone's making these predictions on, you know, points deducted, Serie B, uh, fines. We don't know. So I think until you have all those things said and they have the director set, uh, these new presidents, whoever remains, then Del Piero can become the piece that puts himself in a situation to be able to succeed. Right. As and glamorous think- as it would be to say, throw him in right now. And I don't think there's any urgency right now on Del Piero to jump and say that he's 100% on board. They will be appointing uh, the entirety of the new board uh, by January 18th of 2023. So there's a little bit of time on the clock for them to figure out, you know, what he does or does not want to get involved in going forward. Um, now, I know that across the Internet, there's been a lot of worry in terms of, you know, 2006 Calciopoli repeating itself um, and Granted, UEFA will be doing their own separate investigation, which could, you know, bop them from Champions League and otherwise. But um, I guess I'll, I'll turn to Aaron on this one. Um, what's the sort of temperature that you've taken in terms of the potential for us to have either relegation or do we think that everybody's kind of running around with their head on fire yet? Yeah, if we're going to keep it 100 percent. I'm kind of on the Marco boat where I'm literally just kind of sitting and waiting for things to unfold. I I have no interest in like keeping up with the minute granular day-to-day details. Like I will wait till we have some real concrete things. I, at this point, it's like, I I have, I literally have no idea. Uh, Well, it's a wait and see for me. I, they could, who knows? Like (laughs) I have no idea. I don't like the, especially like how, dark and nebulous the the corners of the the legal system is <laughs> like, is for me to even try to parse through it i i don't have the energy i'm trying to stay alive with my two-year-old daughter right now like she's got <laughs> the entire household under her fist and it's an iron fist so i can't really keep up with with minor details in the, the uva case at the moment <laughs> maybe maybe she is what we need to actually let's ship her to italy and we'll get her to get the job done actually we'll extract so many more um oh, it would be very telling days flat the whole investigation <laughs> would be done in three days flat if my daughter was in charge <laughs> They're like, we give, we give. Fine. Here are all of the legal records. Please stop screaming at us. You got it. You got it. No, no, no. No, we did it. We did it. Leave us alone, please. (laughs) Sheesh. So the other thing that's kind of come out more recently is uh, with the private agreements in terms of delaying or um, reducing salaries, especially during peak COVID, And one of the more worrying things in terms of financial matters outside of the legality of it is Ronaldo demanding payments of upwards of 20 million 
on an already uh, financially shaky Juventus. So in the best case scenario where we're arguing that, you know, they restate their financial statements um, and correct whatever uh, losses they had claimed to have um, and come out of it shiny clean where they just have to pay a series of fines and make up the difference on whatever payments they haven't made. That's aside from the potential market manipulation ch- uh, charges. Is, it, where is this where we, we think- throw in the joke? where that that Cristiano Ronaldo just has to insert himself in the middle of everything. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So I feel like uh if if it's anything to parallel his sort of behaviors that are being witnessed at the current World Cup, um is it that everything really just has to be about Cristiano? I don't think he's going to get enough with his new contract that is rumored to have. So I completely understand why he's going back to Juve. <laughs> so let's you all know, give Ronaldo a little bit. He, he, want, he wants to make it an even half status. bill. Poppy. He wants an even half billion for the year's take. He wants to be the, the world's highest paid footballer in every respect. He needs that title. Let him respect that man. Please respect for the, him. Yeah, for the Don't treat him like Gonzalo Ramos. Respect that man. <laughs> For the terminally online, I feel like Ronaldo is shaping up to be like the footballer equivalent of like, somebody please help me budget for my family. And it's, you know, he's got to have this multi-bajillion dollar uh, income. That's 500 Who million knows? on hair gel, 300 million <laughs> on candles, please. Someone who's good at the economy. I need the other 1.5 billion for my masseurs on, on salary. Yeah. Um, it's. It's an illuminating situation. Maybe he can just get Piers Morgan in again to help him. But you know what? It's crazy (laughs) when you think about Juve in the beginning of the season and and everything that was happening with Allegri. It's actually, that's the most shocking thing to me is that how is he still there? And everybody around him has gone when it looked like things were so bad at Juve and he was the root of a lot of the problems that were happening on the pitch. And now it seems like... Things improved on the pitch before this World Cup break and now it's all falling apart off it. So it just seems to be like trouble after trouble, wave after wave for you, Bayern. Allegri outlasts them all, Pape. He's in the best possible situation too. He's going to run the club. He's, he's going to be announced as the president soon. Yeah. <laughs> like right? he, he's both re-engineered. He's turning the club around like the, on, the, on the pitch and if they decide to fire him for some reason he just gets paid so much money he can just hang out it's amazing maybe he's going to be the hero after all at Juventus I can't believe you guys didn't predict all this was going to happen at Juve at the beginning of the season we, I think we you needed so much sacked, deeper than top Pape. huh didn't you have him sacked Papi I'm pretty sure that's what you said um I can't remember now actually anyway Dre, what yeah, we got yeah, yeah. next? We're we're you know we're trying to get Dre back in here. I think he he may be fighting for his that. life. Um, however, I think he uh, had a run in with my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh no, Dre is going to come in and break some news. Let's let's stop him from doing that. Um, with that being said, um, as things continue to play out, um, I mean, right now I think the focus of some of the UEFA stuff is especially the 36 young players that potentially may have flew under the wire. Um, and, and that's kind of been a wild thing. However, uh, if there's some positive to come out of this, um, it, it's interesting that there's sort of uh, an olive branch being extended from the European Club Association um, to Juve to rejoin after they had resigned amidst the entire Super League uh, shenanigans. We'll call them shenanigans because I still have not as an individual bought onto that entire 
things. Uh, Dre, do we have you back? Yeah, one thing, I, yeah. one thing I learned from all this is that um, the Juventus board never watched HBO's The Wire. Uh, because we learned from Stringer Bell that you got to use the burner phones. They, they, what brought them you, down, what, what got them caught. You're taking notes Wait. on a criminal <laughs> effing conspiracy. <laughs> what, what got them caught was the, the wiretaps, which you thought, you know, from 2006, they would have learned some lessons. Right. Uh, there's some really dodgy conversations that got caught. I had, I had visions of like the scene in Casino where they're in the desert, like covering your mouth, smoking a cigarette, like having these talks. Not not over your regular landline, man. Um, and, and so it is. You're sending WhatsApp texts, like, texting each other. <laughs> hey, like, hey, yo, uh, make sure the payments that we are going to give you money. do not get spoken about yeah. in media money back we're emojis pay you we're going to pay you with money but we're not going to tell them that we're paying you but please don't tell anyone these men are on in there text. like making whatsapp transactions and other ones on venmo but they're using like weird emojis like you're sending your friend money you're like yeah definitely eggplant emoji eggplant emoji eggplant emoji 20 million don't say anything like really, super really not quickly suspect. though i i do have my one of my like i have many old people things right now just in general <laughs> but like one of my like most old people things is like people like why why do i send see that you're paying people on venmo why why do people communicate that like why? you gotta make it private <laughs> Bro, it's so weird. I, hide to me. I literally do every single transaction on private. It's so weird to me. I, uh, real talk, it, that's from, just one of my very old from a things. privacy perspective. And I'm not gonna give anybody a tip on how to tell if somebody's potentially cheating, but you can also see everybody's contacts through there. So wink, nod. Yeah, I worry about that one friend that has way too many uh, Venmo links with the little like a martini glasses on them. It's like, <laughs> well, like one, sir, like scale it back. So it's you, it's you've like gone, you've gone out six nights this week. Dude. Yeah, it's, it's Tuesday afternoon, and you also okay? bring your wallet next time. Like, right. <laughs> like, are you just going out and having people buy you drinks? Is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> My God. Speaking of buying drinks, uh, who are we buying drinks for currently shining at the World Cup of the Serios players? I mean, I've got top tech. I mean, uh, yeah, we got, you got to send Poland. tech uh, like a, a congratulatory, like sad drink. Like, hey, you played great. It wasn't your fault, but I'm sorry you went home. <laughs> I should have looked this up. Like, I wonder what are they drinking Poland because he deserves a case of it. I think he's been the best Serios player um, at the World Cup. And, you know, it's a goalkeeper, which it takes like a, you have to meet like a certain standard for a goalkeeper to get, you know, MVP. Mike Manian probably deserved it in Serie A last year and didn't get it close to Leal. Um, but I think Pek Chesney deserves a sort of, you know, unofficial ghost award of um, best Serie A player at the World Cup. He matched the record um, for most penalty saves um, at a World Cup, uh, which is, you know, uh, worthy in and of itself. Is that um, good? I don't know. On a Poland team, <laughs> on a Poland team replete with Serie A players, Poland and Serbia had the the most sort of volume of Serie A players, and we could probably talk about um, Jakub Kiviar as well of Spezia, who is probably one of like the the younger players who comes away from Serie A from the Serie A stable, who comes away as one who raised his stock the most. So I would say that those two stood out for me. Um, Kiviar, in terms of a guy who's using this probably as a launch pad, and Tech as a guy who at the start of the season, Juve fans were clowning. On, right, like Juve fans are wild to me sometimes because they, they've, got, they've had some really, yeah, right. And he's he's one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Yes, he had some mistakes last season and even early this year, a couple of howlers. But he looks right now like one of the best goalkeepers at the World Cup. And since maybe the first four-ish games of the Serie A season, he's looked like one of the better goalkeepers um, at Juventus. Now that said. That's in Syria. That said, when uh, Perin steps in, he doesn't look bad either. So maybe it's got something to do with exactly. the defense that's in front of him. Yeah, but I just mean, just I, going by the World Cup, he's been outstanding. I'll out 
about myself. I have not clowned on tech, but I have had moments where I have questioned his role in the squad. And um, I will happily eat my hat on that because he literally put Poland on his back this World Cup. Um, I don't think I, that they I've always had a soft spot for tech just because I like from his time Arsenal. at Arsenal, I saw him <laughs> like be, grow from kind of like a very, very immature young guy who just was a pro at a young age and especially as a goalkeeper when you go when you were a first choice keeper at that young age I feel like some stuff doesn't quite develop mentally um and and I like really appreciated his candor when he went over to Italy about becoming an actual pro and becoming a man and I, I thought he's I, I think he's been very good at Juve I have no issues with him I of course he's had a little bit of shaky form but did the club the whole club not <laughs> uh, yeah. but I'm, a, I'm a big tech fan um and I, also i don't know if we're doing transfer rumors today but i that but Kivior, I, I think i saw linked to napoli so i think he made of very nicely put himself in the shop window obviously in Serie A, but even tipped it over in in the, the world cup and to the the previous point i believe the this I, I came up with this on my own. Definitely didn't Google it, but we should give we should send T- Chesney a Kupnik. Uh, Kupnik <laughs> is apparently the favorite drink in Poland that I did not Google. I, I had that in yeah. my brain. Def- no, I didn't look that up. Yeah, you're, you're well known around the bars in Poland for what I've heard. Oh, we yeah. also have to point out before we move on. Before we move on from tech, um, another player that absolutely balled out this World Cup while he was in it was McKenny. And um, so wait, I mean, wait, wait. Say, before we move on from tech, let's move on from tech. Is, no, no, <laughs> is that what no, just no, happened? Not to change the subject, here's a, a whole new topic. However, present company, <laughs> Marco, who we thought potentially could be, you know, I don't know, maybe jinxing him a little bit. Maybe the, the mush is over. What do we think, Marco? Hey, I don't think this mush ever started. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Jack and McKenny were great, but they got even better. <laughs> I, lo- I love oh them God, both. I Listen, I love them both. And they, we, we interviewed them at the summer, too. And, and I think a lot of what goes into their game, too, is their personality. Like, that just naturally goes – like, I mean, you heard Chesney, his joke with Messi before, right? When they, they bet, like, 100 oh bucks that he was going to uh-huh. save it. Like, that's crazy. how they act. <laughs> off camera and like when they're on camera to each other they've got this kind of like go against the grain kind of mentality in in both of them which also doesn't kind of fit at Juventus because you could kind of see them looking over sometimes when they're saying certain things at the Juventus press officers like are we going to get in trouble and he even said he might get in trouble for saying what he did to Messi but that's a character of them and I, I think that they're two really important players in the league and in the World Cup. I for love context, how he said he's not—he's not, not going to pay him either. After all, yeah. That. <laughs> for for context, Marco Marco recorded a piece with McKinney and uh, Tech um, when they were so at Juventus earlier this season, where you had them do the tortilla challenge. Uh, so yeah. that's the sort of level of hard-hitting analysis and journalism <laughs> that Marco Messina brings. Slap that into them. I don't know. We, we wanted to see them do it to you. How come you didn't get Honestly, roped into this? Yeah. By the way, Marco. Listen, the producers decide. I, I just follow the rules. Yeah. I, He's like, you guys do it. You do it. Next time there's the potential for you to potentially get hit with a tortilla, I'm slipping some money under the table. I'm just saying. Like, love you. Yeah, I don't, I don't you care know? who I have to pay. I will pay. <laughs> I want to see. I want somebody to do it to Mike Grella is what I want to see. <laughs> I feel oh like God. he'll be chasing you around that room, challenge or not. With a I'll, do, I'll do it with Mike Grella. I'll do it with Mike yeah. Grella. Okay, so, perfect. Just five months later than the actual trend happened that seems very on brand for you too <laughs> right they're coming now, from uh, the tiktok queen herself <laughs> so, also, uh, 
riding high right now are some of these Morocco players like Sofian Amrambat of the viola and then also Abdelhamid Sabiri for Sampdoria. Um, and, you know, Hakimi might have Inter sending some like, hey, big head, you up texts after his performance <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> this World Cup with those pens. Um, talk about show outs. I mean, um, I feel like some of those guys. Those texts are going to go green. <laughs> those texts will not be re- they will not be seen they'll be left on <laughs> unread uh, they're, they're going to a phone that no longer works and no, a number that no longer bo- belongs they're going to get the response like who is this <laughs> that number Literally. has changed I'm, I'm about is such a good case because here's a guy whose role at Fiorentina wasn't even expected to be sort of that big early in the season until the injury to Castrovilli, where they essentially needed Amrabat to step in and play both his own role and that of a Castrovilli, play a slightly different position. And so it seemed like he had that perfect sort of lead up to, to, to be a more important player for his club team in the lead up to the World Cup, where he was going to have to be a really important player for Morocco in the midfield. Not to say that any of us saw him playing this well uh, or, or predicted that Morocco would get as far as they have, um, but he's been one of the nicer, more pleasant stories, not just of the World Cup, but of the season, when you consider sort of how he came into it with Castrovilli being such an important player um and so just Amrabat stepping in balling now his agent is taking every talk about text going on red like his agent is talking to any media outlet that'll listen right now uh calling Amrabat the best defensive midfielder at the world cup and it's hard to sort of argue based on what his performances have been like especially given the the approach that Morocco took um, to playing against Spain where they were going to have to, it's one of, you know, some games to, to enjoy, some games to suffer through. That was a game for them to suffer through. And, and they, they showed they knew how to suffer and did so brilliantly. They moved so nicely as a squad all in, but like it was almost like this modern Catenaccio that they had flowing. I don't know. I'm so impressed with them that I'm officially just, I had France winning once again, but I'm very <laughs> keen on uh, Morocco at this point. I'm like, upset them all, baby. <laughs> I think everybody was on the edge of their seat though for that last like five minutes of the Morocco-Spain game because that was just crazy. Although in the end, I felt like if Spain even had another 30 minutes, that ball was not going to find the back of the net but I was a bit nervous for them at the end but 30, what 30 more minutes and 400 more sideways passes <laughs> <Yeah. will work. laughs> so is that not how you win games Aaron <laughs> they hit the woodwork in the 85th minute didn't they like wasn't there they I think uh, yeah. yeah and then they hit the post late on in the game and got late a couple on. of corners I honestly was not breathing because Spain were I mean they were playing like they knew they were going to miss all those pens <laughs> they're like let's not do this so we have a really, really good probability that a Serie A player or multiple Serie A players will win this World Cup, right? The only way that doesn't happen is if uh, Poppy's team, yeah. Poppy's team, goes on to win the whole thing, uh, and we they should have won. We're safe. Let them do that. Wow! <laughs> We're this is a All of you lot going against England. I've never ever heard this before. But I, while hey, we're talking about say, players, didn't you say England so- was going to smash the US, Poppy? Uh, <laughs> did I, I may have said they should have. Run the tape back. I seem to remember something about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let so, me just quickly change the subject. Um, back to you, we'll give another Serie A player some credit because he has been my player this tournament in Serie A. Because talking of players that weren't supposed to play a huge role, everyone thought Benzema 
would be the 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 talking point of France. And I was so happy to see Giroud, obviously, with his milestone achievement passing Thierry Henry. But that's enough now, Giroud. No more goals for you in the World Cup. England, France on Saturday. So just want to say farewell to him. Clip that first part. I can't wait to say that. Giroud has been your favourite player. (laughs) And then uh, we'll, we'll play for you this weekend. I'm I just saying, I'm just giving him a good, good send off now before the game, so I, I know I won't be able to give him any credit after. Your, your other boy that you love with the frosted tips, Theo Hernandez too, has been another one that. <laughs> so, yeah, so other than play. yes, that's true. That's true. Other than England, every team has at least two uh, cultural players in it, right? So Portugal have Rui Patricio and Rafael Leao. We can talk a little bit about Leao, by the way, because he scored a sensational goal. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of and curious he that he's not playing. Yeah, again, and he. he and of course, it, of course. Uh, Morocco, the two we mentioned, Amrabat and Sabidi. Uh, France have three really good ones: um, Theo Hernandez, Olivier Giroud, and no matter what anybody says, Adrian Rabiot is still a baller. He could play, and he can start on this France team. Uh, Brazil have Danilo, uh, Alexandro, and Bremer. Uh, obviously, uh, Alexandro injured, and Bremer has not played a single minute um, at this World Cup. Best Serie A defender last year ha- cannot get a minute for a completely stacked Brazil team, whose second team would still be a World Cup uh, contender. Croatia have four: Erlich, Brozovic, Vlasic, and Pasalic. And then the basically it's like match day 23 in Serie A when Netherlands and Argentina face off uh, Four Dutch players playing Serie A for Argentines. But it is Di Maria Dybala, who hasn't played it, if I'm not mistaken, and Lautaro Martinez. Yeah, he hasn't played a minute, has he, Dybala? I think Bremer got a few minutes, but yeah, he's not he's not been the, the first choice uh, for Brazil. I mean, in, in the center back position, we know, you know, with Marquinhos, uh, with Thiago Silva, it's always going to be difficult uh, for, for them to see them. I think that comes at, at a term of depth rather than just the the skill of of Bremer. But the other guys have been have been great and they've been super exciting. And, and I think So not only not only did Bremer get a minute, he actually started against Cameroon, the game that they lost. Uh, the, the, the third game of the mat, of the group stage, uh, one they lost to Cameroon, he played all 90 minutes, and then he played 20 minutes off the bench uh, was, in the yeah, four-win over Korea. Say, I thought he oh, did right? start one match, but yeah. I don't think it went well. Yeah, I, I was like, I don't think it went well. <laughs> yeah, that's the match they lost. Um, but yeah, I, I we're going to almost... We're we're gonna see a, a Serie A winner. I'm sorry, Poppy. I, I really think we're gonna see a Serie A winner. <laughs> I'm logging off, guys. Bye. <laughs> so let's let's talk about Leal, though, right? Because he scored, he did his, his celebration. Um, the way that Portugal play, for the most part, hasn't been with wingers. And when it is with wingers, it's like a sort of a false, like inverted winger, and or just a more of a central player who's playing, starting out uh, wide. Theoretically, is Jao Felix, who's played on that uh, left side in two games as a starter, and then they play very narrow in attack. The other times where they play basically with an number 10 and two strikers. Um, Leao, the, the form that he's been in, like it, it's not exactly, he hasn't been quite at the at the level that he was last year for Milan, but he's been pretty close to it uh, this season in Serie A. And when he does get an opportunity to play for Portugal, he plays extremely well. It just seems to be sort of a system thing that keeps him from playing more significant minutes under this Portugal team. I, I always refer back, I love Leao, and the fact that he scores two goals in the World Cup, when you see some of the players that have only scored you know, two, two goals of this World Cup coming in both off the bench, I always refer back to his uh, dad who gave an interview, I think it's also his agent as well, he gave an interview before saying, the Italians appreciate Leao more than the Portuguese do, they have more love for him than, than, than the national team does. Um, and, of course, the quality and attack for, for Portugal is is second to none. I mean, when you watch them play, it's unbelievable. You know, he's still this young kid that's coming into the team. And I think the fact that he comes in off the bench obviously does him a lot of helps. But I think Fernando Santos is using him as this weapon 
off the bench that eventually he will be the starter. But at this tournament, it's too difficult simply because the guys in front of him, you know, they have more experience. They're known from the coach a little bit more. Uh, but what he's done is it's fantastic. It's exactly how you need to come in off the bench for any youngster. Uh, so I, I'm happy. I'm happy to see it. And I think that a lot of people, he's surprising people because, you know, there's so many question marks. I'm always getting it from my friends who don't watch that much. They say, who is this Leao kid? Does he really have it? He is showing that he's got the skill. He's got the talent. And there's a few, there's been a few games for Portugal where I've seen the lack of uh, ability to dribble a 1v1. And I think he provides that at the top level. I think Kupo is speaking on mute, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, what a shame. We don't have time for transfer rumors. You know, we really wanted to get to a little bit of transfer talk, but it seems we are running out of time on this edition of Couch to a Cappuccino. I can just feel the disappointment, Jerry. I'm absolutely just heartbroken and gutted. Uh, we'll just have to leave it for next week when we do this again at uh, 11 a.m. on a Thursday and record it for all of you fine people. Oh, real a big shucks there, huh? No transfer rumors. <laughs> Uh, no, I just wanted to say uh, I wish that we had seen more of Leao this tournament. Uh, I think that him coming on and scoring in like under five has been like he hasn't proven otherwise that he doesn't deserve to be on. It's it's a big boo for me. But outside mm-hmm. of that, or um, do we want to wrap at this point? Are we good? Is that, I totally okay. agree. Just on the back of that with um, what you said about Leao, I feel like for those that watch him week in and week out in Syria, he's just electrifying to watch and, and it's nice and refreshing to actually see. I wish also he got more minutes, but it's nice to see these World Cup teams giving their younger talent time and minutes. Like, yes, we all know Ronaldo's having problems, but when you look at even the attacking side for this Portugal team, Leao, Ramos, Jao Felix, like it's exciting of what can come from teams like this because as we've seen with the teams like Belgium, when you keep your ageing stars for so long, it doesn't always bode well. So I think that's another positive for some of these Serie A players that we're seeing in the World Cup as well. I, I will do one little... Um sort of pseudo transfer news thing uh, b- before we go, which is, and it involves Milan and Leao, and that is that Leao could have some help on the way if uh, things pan out the way some of the Italian media are reporting. Um, there's been big interest from uh, the Rossoneti on Hakim Ziyech, who they wanted before um, they basically settled on Degatelare, who hasn't really panned out yet, but he's still young, still has time to do so. Um, there's uh, some reports that Milan are preparing a huge uh, offer to extend Rafael Leao, and then to finally solve that issue that they have um, um, adding that that, that third uh, trequartista or really that, that second winger on the right-hand side, which has been their weak spot, which would be the, to lure Ziyech. A lot has to happen there. They, they're, the, the expectations are a little bit too hopeful, I think. They want to get him on like a loan deal with an option to buy for around $15 million in June. That doesn't sound reasonable or realistic to me. And you would have to take a pay cut from around €6 million Euros a year down to around like four and a half. That also doesn't sound super realistic. But if Milan, <laughs> if Milan wants it to compete and defend their, their Italian crown, adding Hakim Ziyech, I think, would go a long, long way toward doing that for the second half of the season. I mean, that would be like Christmas coming early for Matteo Bonetti. I feel like he's mentioned his name <laughs> in every single Serie A show that we talk about. Me he he so loves the sake, I hope He loves him so much. <laughs> maybe maybe Bonetti calling him will be the thing that Milan needs to push him over the line. He'll be like, I'll take the pay cut. Matteo Bonetti needs me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
with that being said, I think we'll all be uh, locked in for the remainder of this World Cup. I think I'm going to go head out to watch uh, the Morocco match with some Moroccan friends. But Marco has been out and about, bopping party to party. He's probably exhausted and all partied out at this point. Um, how's it been going, Marco? What's been your favorite so far of the fan experience around the city? The party never stops, Christine. I can keep going. <laughs> the World Cup has given me that energy. You know, it's been it's weird because you know if I'll be honest, I was I was kind of like what we were saying before with Dre, but before the World Cup, obviously Italy not being in it, I was one of those those grumpy Grinches that was like, ah, I'm not gonna even watch the World Cup. It's in December. Italy's not there. Who cares? Not a real World Cup. And then the the magic of the competition takes over. And I think one of the beautiful things and one of the very fortunate things is living in New York. You get to see so many different communities. We're so diverse. And it kind of feels like every time that I've been fortunate enough to go along with Andrea to these different uh, places, you know, you kind of like get put into the countries for a little while and you forget about your team. And and I found myself rooting for each and every one of them when you're there because the people have embraced us. Um, when we went to, to the Ecuadorian bar that we went to, they were handing me maracuya and saying, taste this, try this, <laughs> learn this dance, sing with us. Um, so it's just been unbelievable to see that. And even when we went to see Croatia, the amount of people that are all just dying for their team to win, it's beautiful. It, it's, it's exactly what the, the sport of, of football, of soccer is all about. It's about being together. It's about um, embracing each other. And it's about learning and, and being able to have takeaways, even if your team specifically is not in that. So I appreciate being able to to do this because it's given me a little bit of life and it feels like I'm celebrating my team when, when I've gone to these parties with them. It's look, been look really at this nice. Personal growth from Marco. Oh, he's making a turn <laughs> it's, here. It's no, a I, uh, I hold the entire uh, New York City soccer community very dear. It is so vast and also so tight knit at the same time um, that uh, welcoming. And I mean, even outside of World Cups, but it, it's nice to get to see uh, you interact with those individual groupings through this World Cup, um, because it sheds a light on a lot of the human side of the sport, which is really what kind of grips you up to begin with. Um, the highs, the lows, it's it's everyone that you share it with. Um, and, and we've always won, by team. the way. I'm saying any <laughs> game that I went to. The home team won. Poland is the only exception, but they still made it through. So Where are you going on Saturday, then? Are you going to go England and France? France? I'm going to France. Even if we're not filming it. (laughs) I am so proud to see you venturing outside of your beloved Italian national team. It's been so nice, though, even seeing South Korea celebrate that one goal, even though they lost 5-1 to Brazil. It just is so magic. You, You can't not love the World Cup. I thought you were going to say you're happy to see him get out of Brooklyn. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> Honestly, Dre, aren't you surprised he's talking about anything other than the Italian <laughs> national team beating England, beating Germany? Next, next thing you know, you're going back to, in the you're going to be like, we're going to be on one of these pre-production calls and it'll be like, I was watching another league. And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> alright, let's not go that far. There'll guys. be pigs fine. Listen, I have my Honestly, I, I think that might be like Marco's like, I'm kidnapped, but I can't say I'm kidnapped move. So we'll save right. that line. For right. he's, gonna be, he's going to be Bonetti pretty soon talking about the quality of the Georgian league as if he was watching. <laughs> Please never compare me to that. Oh, uh, well, on, 
I think we're in a safe spot to wrap. Uh, thank you to everyone for popping in on Called You a Cappuccino this week. Um, from me, Poppy, Marco, Aaron, and Dre, uh, we will catch you next Thursday at 11 a.m. Um, ciao a tutti. Ciao, guys. See you. Bye.